Welcome to the Take 92 Podcast. This is Sammy Warmhands, and this is a special episode. It is the last day of the Vacant Eyes Tour. I've been out for 23 days now with my friends Double Dragon and Ogar Burl, and we're going to sit down and talk about the shows, the motels, the crash pads, the drives, and all that good stuff we've experienced together. So thanks for tuning in. All right, so today is the 23rd and final day of the Vacant Eyes Tour. It is myself, Sammy Warmhands, Double Dragon, and Ogar Burl. Um, we're just uh, hanging out at my house, just arrived back in town, and we got the final show tonight with Grayskull. And, uh, yeah, we're going to talk about some of the shit that we've seen. How are you guys doing? Are we awake? I uh, just took a nap, so I'm feeling pretty good. Um, I'm going to assume you don't have coffee here. But, no. Uh, I'm, I'm all right. I'm actually feeling real good. This paper boy. <laughs> <laughs> this is the old guy here. I mean, Doug. Is that your impression of me? I don't like it. I'm kind of sleepy. Yeah? Yeah. We didn't get a ton of sleep. But that was all right. We played a lot of shows in the last few days. It's the end of tour. Yeah. That's how it is. Uh, I should probably have everyone just identify themselves for the sake of the uh, uh, listeners here. Um, the big burly voices. Ogar Burl. Yeah. This is Danny from Double Dragon. And I'm Skeptic. Also from Double Dragon. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I guess uh, let's talk about... Um, favorite openers that we played with i personally the first like week i uh, was really stoked when uh, uh we played with adder in pomona i thought he totally killed it and actually the other guy uh, be the wizard that went up right after him pomona was definitely an exciting one yeah i really liked both of them as well for sure uh sapiens christ and omen 212 in albuquerque they were also really tight yeah um another name i'm trying to think of from where uh from albuquerque no not from albuquerque i can't i can't recall Hmm. pass (laughs) all right danny what are you feeling i gotta say that uh summon from uh he's also in albuquerque also in albuquerque that dude tripped me out man i was just trying to eat uh those tamales and this dude's just going nuts you know entering another dimension and talking about shrooms and rapping over this crazy beats that he said he made himself meanwhile there's incense on stage and he's just like dancing and one thing i'll never forget is he's like i practiced all week to be here i have exactly like 36 and a half hours of practice time for tonight's show so i hope I remember you guys that. will enjoy it and i was like okay man that's that's tight and it was a good time also, he he just blindly took pictures of everybody with his GoPro, which I just got to say was was pretty hilarious because his phone broke. He said, "Oh, really?" So that's why he was just like, "Cook, cook, 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 cook," and all the pictures came out dope. I was gonna say I remembered who I forgot, and the reason I forgot is because it was such an abnormal circumstance. But uh, Billy Woods, Mo Nichols, Henry Canyons, oh, and Premrock, they yeah. they were my favorite. I'm doing air quotes openers on yeah, this tour. Yeah, there was a night where. Our tour collided with uh, the Premrock tour. The Fire This Time tour. Yeah, in um, Idaho Falls. And, yeah, that was super fun. Yeah, that, yeah, everybody was great. 
That was awesome. Yeah, my first time meeting all those guys, and they were super awesome. Yeah, if anybody doesn't know, um, so the kind of the genesis of this tour, I had been kind of trying to uh, uh, set something up uh, for booking with uh, DTR, um, Deep Thinker Records, and uh, Double Dragon is uh, part of the the roster there, and uh, Skeptic uh, works for them actually as a as a booking agent. And he didn't even know that, and out of the blue hit me up and said, hey, we're going on tour, would you like to go with us? And I thought, perfect, let's do it. And uh, Prem Rock is also on DTR, and so there was a, even a time where we were considering doing one and the same, like going all together and making a whole thing of it. So, uh, yeah, it was kind of cool that we got to wind up playing together at least one night. Yeah, and it was also just a really interesting experience meeting one of the artists that I book for in the middle of Idaho. <laughs> Ogar, you got any highlights for um, people that we played with? As far as openers, uh, I would say the Codependents, actually, yeah. in Missoula, were impressive. Yeah. They had a really good time. And, yeah, because we saw them a little over a year ago. I would say in, in the time in between, their set, I don't know if it was just the circumstances or what, but their set really impressed me this time. Yeah, they definitely, it seemed like they were firing on all cylinders this time. And I, I know that they had also just played, like, a few shows, so they were probably just right. super tight from that. But, um, yeah, that was that was a good show. That was a good town. Yeah, yeah. That was, we had a couple places that uh, uh, definitely could have spent more time in. I feel like Denver and, and Missoula both. Yeah, the couple days off we had, though, were in the perfect places, as far as I'm concerned. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, um, we had a couple of uh, of surprises though. Also, um, like uh, we so my opening song every night is "Before Doors Open" from Famous Last Words, and we talk about some of the things on the road, like um, you know showing up and not seeing a flyer uh, for the show, or you know the people there not even knowing about it, you know stuff like that. And then that was kind of just the, the intro to my set every night, but we had something like, it was almost like eight shows in a row or something, I feel like, where we got there and there was no promotion. There was a couple where they didn't even know we were coming. Um, I don't know, it's interesting, man, doing like the DIY tours. We've done a few together now. Yeah, sometimes the surprises are cool, though. Like yeah, Gallup, New Mexico. Yeah, yeah. When you show up and and they've got like uh, a DIY skate park in front of the stage, basically, and all these kids are hanging out. I mean, skating for the whole set. Yeah, everybody. Yeah, that was that awesome. Was cool. That was awesome, for sure. Um, but yeah, you kind of never know what you're going to run into, even. And that's a place I've played a bunch of times. Right. And it was still totally different. But how about Flagstaff? We showed up. I'm not going to name the place or anything, but we, we showed up um, in Flagstaff, and uh, the person that we had corresponded with wasn't there, and uh, the person working at this place didn't know anything about the show. And then we're like, oh, okay, well, where's your PA? We'll just set it up and figure it out. And like, we don't have a PA. I'm like, okay, we don't have a show. <laughs> and uh, so we just had a night off. But the nice thing about doing, like, 23 dates, you have a lot of shows, and, you know, when something like that comes up, it's not that devastating, you know? 
Just hit the Motel 6. Yeah. Call it a day. If you were out for, a, you know, a week and a half. Right. And that happened, it'd be like, oh, fuck. You know, that sucks. Or if you already had planned days off. That's why I don't like planning days off, because, like, every now and then something like that will happen. You can't anticipate it, you know. But, uh, Skip? Uh, my favorite surprise was probably two shows in one day. Yes. That was unexpected. That was super fun, though. It, it was. I can't believe we got to both of them on time. Yeah. <laughs> I was really worried that we... I don't know. I was. I didn't know it was going to happen. But, um, yeah, basically we had tried to book Seattle. Nothing. We didn't hear anything back. And then we booked Olympia in its place. And uh, I think we were in San Jose. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're standing outside in San Jose waiting for the show to start. I get an email from Smarty Jones in Seattle. And he's like, hey, man, I got everything worked out for that night. I was like, oh, we're, we're already booked. We, we, you know, we can't. We can't do that. Um, and he's like, well, it's going to be an early all-ages thing. Why don't you guys just do both? I'm like, how the fuck? We all talked about it. And we looked at the schedule like, all right, if we get off stage at 7, we can, you know, spend 10 minutes selling merch, drive there, it'll take an hour and 15 minutes or something, uh, plug in the laptop, and Ogar can go on stage. So we had 90 minutes to figure it out, and... Miraculously, uh, there were there were people in Seattle at fucking five thirty, so we could start the early show. Um, that one we played, and the only thing that sucks is we played before the locals, and we had to leave when they started, and then we got to Olympia after the locals. Um, so we didn't we played two shows, but we didn't actually get to see any of the other acts. But yeah, it was cool that we pulled it off. Yeah, it was cool that we pulled it off, and uh, I. I laughed pretty hard when you had to do your whole, you know, sorry, we don't normally do this, but <laughs> show of hands who rapped tonight. All right, thanks, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Normally, you know, you want to call out the other artists by name, but when you show up and you're like, okay, you, your turn to play now, it's like, all right, so how many of you in the audience are actually also part of this show? <laughs> like, I mean, I don't Where's think... the line? Yeah, yeah, that was an odd one. How about set... Where did you guys feel like you had a a good or a bad set on the road this time? Uh, well, last night we were in uh, Hood River at a Trillium. Was it a cafe? Was it a bar? Trillium Cafe. Trillium it was cafe. a bar, though. Yeah. It's weird. It's Trillium dance venue, but it's like a fish store. Um, <laughs> and I ended up like to- totally messing up. Um, one of my verses, the only verse that I have actually, um, ever. I thought you were just fucking around. I, I, well, I was trying to be like, you know, channel my inner Sammy warm hands, you know, and like open the door and like look at people. And I was like, I can do this too. And then like, <laughs> I was like, damn, this is a heavy door. Oh my God. I'm rapping right now. <laughs> you like oh become aware that you're performing while you're Yeah. I doing... was like, holy shit. What the fuck? And then like, I turned back around and then was just like, uh, I'm behind the beat. I don't remember how any of my words go. Can't jump in like that. <laughs> this game is hard waiting and stuff. Never skeptic. All right, cool. We're back on track. But then at the end of that track, we still had huge applause and everybody still really liked it and I was like yeah that's how that's supposed to be everybody you just gotta flail your hair around head bang and make it look like it's part of the show that's all you gotta you do know? don't make a scared face or when we were in um, 
when we were doing the double double show, double dragon double show, uh, we were in Olympia, and I don't know, was it me or you? No, he he walked back while you were on the front of the stage. Yeah, tripped and, over a cable. I think it's probably what he wants to talk about right now. Yay! <laughs> yeah, there's a little bit of a the beat just kind of started shorting out. Yeah, yeah, we uh, we decided we were going to play two different sets since we were playing two different shows, and uh, one of the songs we played, it just happened to work out really well, uh, in my head anyway. I thought it would be cool if I just walked outside through the door at the back of the stage at uh, La Voyeur in Olympia in the middle of like the breakdown of this song, and as I started walking, I just heard the beat, like half of it just disappear. <laughs> but uh, thankfully me and Danny are really good at continuing the song when we fuck up so we both just went into the hook i didn't even know if you were going to go into it i don't even normally double it up with you but i was just like <laughs> fuck it i know he's trying to plug shit in so this might It'll be the it. only way to save it yeah yeah having to troubleshoot uh, having to troubleshoot while you're on stage performing was super weird because like the sound started clipping out and i immediately was like is that my microphone nope is that scab's microphone nope is it something at the mixing board nope but i'm still reciting like the hook part and then I looked down and it was like that's not plugged in and I had to get down and still do that and then like looked up and then looked at Skeptic and then turned around and looked at the crowd and then we got cheered and I was like oh how did we do that <laughs> how did that even work out the thing that I was going to say though actually was um, since you brought up Trillium and, and holding the door and stuff uh, like I mean obviously I obviously I enjoyed everybody's sets every night but uh, more so than that, I enjoy all the jokes that we drop, like, each night going on. For sure. And, uh, I'd, Sam, you had to point out to me last night what I did during... Uh, Which one? During Gyro, during the, the world doesn't care about you part. Oh, when... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, the positioning of the stage area, there wasn't a stage, but they moved some tables out of the way. Um, and we were right by the, the front door. So while people enter and exit, they have to do it between you and the people standing watching you. So, I mean, it, you're three feet away from them, sometimes less. And so people started walking out the door, and Skeptic just walks over and, like, holds the door for them. But it, he didn't even realize this, is what you said. But yeah, I had no idea. Yeah, <laughs> but, but it was right as uh, the chorus started, and they start saying, the world doesn't care about you, about you. The world doesn't care about me. About me. Yeah, and so, um, like, walks over, holds door open, three or four people walking out, and the world doesn't care about you. And I just busted up <laughs> laughing. Super funny. It's a good thing I didn't know, because I probably would have been laughing while doing it, too. That probably just made the bit stronger, that I didn't even know it was a fucking bit. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, fucking... There have been a few uh, uh, weird moments. I remember... There's a couple times where there's direct access to outside. And uh, at the end of my... Because I, when I, I play the definition of a rap flow remix, the version that's on Vacant Eyes, um, called Redefine the Flow. So the first half I spit on the beat, second half I spit a cappella, and it ends with that stupid line, um, no place to run, no place to hide, because my farts even stink outside. So anytime there's direct access to... Um, the outdoors, especially when there's a couple people out there smoking or whatever, I always like to walk off stage out the door and like pretend to fart. Pretend. Pretend to fart. Yeah. No, I only fart when I'm in bed with Doug, apparently. 
a lot. <laughs> um, so uh, w- one thing that you know people probably ask all of us you know what it's like going on tour it's probably not exactly what people think of it um for me one of the most important things though is is like me and ogar knowing each other a long time you know the double dragon pair have known each other a long time and uh you know we didn't necessarily know each other incredibly well yet um and i always like to have that kind of safety net of just having some built-in camaraderie when you leave and then everyone just kind of usually bonds really quickly the buddy system yeah that's kind of been my experience so um yeah it was cool that we had that i I actually had a great time on this tour um yeah i'd say we clicked pretty well yeah everybody didn't take long and and this was cool because uh there's four of us and there's always pairs of different things right right because uh you and skep are the smoking pair. True. You and Danny are the drinking pair. True. Me and Skep are the weird plain eaters pair. Yeah. Um, what else do we have? There's some... I think me and Danny are like the voluntarily kind of weird looking pair. You know, like we have the, the hair features that turn people's heads in rest stops. You know. That means we're the pretty ones. What about me and you, Sam? I mean, we're just the ones that destroy MCs. That's what we have in common. Yeah. All right. (laughs) Excuse me, but what the fuck? Oh, I'm sorry. Did I miss the battle raps in your verse every night? Did I I overlook them? (laughs) I tuned down the battle raps so I could write in an album about stuff. Never unnecessarily (laughs) flex the skill. Yeah, see? Maybe because you can't. Oh. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Put a beat on, Sam. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh shit Danny's gonna diss me now We've been getting along so well Danny's gonna dysentery you uh, Wow we, I should just make a track with Sam about how much We like puppies and kitties Yeah tour I, dogs are awesome I Right now I have that. my own dog in my lap And that's that's really nice I'll, I'll post the picture to the Double time. Dragon page And you can you can see the exact thing That I'm looking at right now I actually took a picture <laughs> I'm, I'm good at sneaking pics yeah, you are. He's a sneaky bastard. He brought a. Uh, he's been doing video of the tour, but he also has uh, a little audio recorder. We'll all be out at Denny's or whatever, just bullshitting after a show, saying some like personal shit. And all of a sudden, I'll look past the salt shaker, and behind it's hiding a little voice recorder. I'm like, you son of a bitch! What did I say tonight? <laughs> Only good stuff. So we've had some. Um, Let's talk about those those uh, post-show meals, because we would generally bring somebody along with us. Those poor, poor people. And other times, we just have other people show up, you know, like the other night. And those weird, weird people. Where was that fucking... Was that Idaho Falls? Yeah, Idaho Falls. Yeah, had a lady come up to me, and what was she saying? Something I think it started with your hair. Yeah. She was just like, oh, I love your hair and your style, and then went on to tell you about how, like, you need to just be carefree and to do what you need to do. She's like, yeah, you're an your individual. Dreams. Yeah, you know, some just, shit like just that. Just keep doing that and. Have kids. Yeah. You forgot the part where she said, fuck you to you, Danny. Oh, yeah. That's right. 
Yeah, yeah, you made yeah, a joke yeah. I made when some, she came up. Some joke, and she was just like, "Fuck you!" And I and I ended up congratulating her, and I was like, "You know what? I appreciate your honesty." Then she was like, yeah. "Are you fucking with me?" And I was like, "No, I mean, you just straight up told me like, fuck you,' but like, we're cool now." And she yeah. was just like, "Thank you." <laughs> and, like, and then she took it in a weird religious direction, which I didn't expect after the "fuck you." Yeah, yeah, I I will never forget what she told you, Sam. Those words will stick with me for life. Can you quote it? Parenthood is not about blood. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, because she kept saying uh, that I, I needed to have a family or something, and, and I was like, yeah, that's it's not going to happen. She's like, well, how do you it, know? I'm like, I, trust me, I know. It will. You know, there's a little girl on God's lap who told me it's going to happen for you. Yeah, then it got real sad. Yeah. Talking about her dead kid and then her other kid in rehab and it, it was a nosedive. It went it went from joke that got the entire table laughing to and you know my kid's dead. And like staring into my eyes, talking about her rehab kid saying, but I'm sure that's my fault because I'm a bad parent. Right? She said, right? Yes. This is, again, at a Sherry's at about 3 in the morning. Uh, I, what the fuck am I, I supposed to say to, to that? I have to try to like not laugh since high school or maybe even middle school that hard. I Honestly, if we had to go on 30 seconds longer, my lungs would have busted open out of my chest and I, and I looked over because she was with someone we couldn't tell if it was her son or some other dude I think yeah I, I think don't know Doug said that they were like all over each other but but I looked over and made complete eye contact with him and just like looked at him and he shook his head and laughed and turned away and I was like oh god it's okay for everybody to laugh but me right now like <laughs> <laughs> you know it's just so ridiculous <laughs> I also feel like I probably was part of the reason she kept talking to us because I I was like, yeah, I appreciate that you said fuck you, because fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> you have earned my respect. And then Sam had to deal with all that. Way yeah, to, I don't know. Way I, to be a champ. Yeah, I think I played it cool. It was all right. It didn't make it weirder than it already was, which it could have. She, uh, We were really, she, she kept pushing the kids thing, and it was rapidly approaching, how do I word that I've had a vasectomy to this stranger that I no longer want to talk to? And uh, I think we got around it. And the funny thing about that, though, is for once it was somebody else making us feel uncomfortable because all the <laughs> other diner late night experiences, we had a, more than a few guests with us when we would go out. And uh, the bizarre rapport that the four of us have developed over tour, sometimes yeah. I feel sorry for somebody who just jumps in at a Denny's table in the middle of the night and has to figure out what the hell's going on. We, we were talking about that somewhere else, too. Were we saying there was a, a really strange... Like dropping somebody else into our uh, situation. Where, where was Gallup. it? Oh, with with Jerry. Yeah, Is that what so. it was? Yeah. Yeah, because the the guy we were staying with came out with us, and we were just all firing on all cylinders, and it's all inside jokes and shit the whole time. And He's an awesome guy. He just didn't really know what he was about to get into with us. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, we all had good food, and we went back to the house and hung out for a bit, and you know, it was fine. But yeah, definitely funny just when you're like. It's like if you were to go on, uh, you know, uh, a date with two couples and you're the fifth person, you know, you're just like, I don't get, I don't know what to say here, you know. I, I was going to say probably the uh, the one who enjoyed it the most was Sense. Yeah. Sit, sitting in on that shit. Everyone else was just kind of like, what? He wasn't really shaken by it, yeah. No, he wasn't at all, especially because he spends long stretches in the studio with Danny. So he's used to most of our weirdness and long stretches. Um, we should probably talk about the the day off. 
the day off. Yeah, the day off. Where Denver? We, yeah, because we couldn't book Denver because, like many of the dates on this tour, we didn't realize um, that we were planning the exact same route almost as Sadistic, Chesky, Sapient, Early Adopted, and Graves 33. We One of those days was, was we were supposed to be in Denver, and uh, we just couldn't get anything booked uh, at all for once, which I always play Denver. And we thought, well, let's just go out there and see the show this time because we've been in the same city, sometimes like two blocks away, and never actually collided. So that was super fun. Yeah, that was awesome, especially because, like I was saying before, I booked them in Berkeley. We didn't get to see them because we were playing in Fremont that night, second night of our tour, and uh, then got to see them all the way out there, which was really strange and kind of surreal, but an awesome experience. Yeah, that was that was a hell of a show, man. Um, like I, I knew everybody except for Early Adopted, and and even he was fantastic, and had a good talk with him after the after the show. But uh, Graves, I've known for years. I mean, that guy. Um, we played a lot of shows. I, on my very first tour, stayed at his house. And I think that's probably when I met him. And uh, uh, yeah, like him and Sapient are both uh, on my new record, Vacant Eyes. So. It's cool to reconnect with them after doing some email collabs, you know, how rappers do. You know how rappers do. <laughs> and, uh, uh, yeah, they were both great. Uh, Sadistic played a huge set list. Um, yeah, like that guy's got, a, I, I guess I didn't realize how much material he has now. Um, but that was a, that was an endurance test of a set. Yeah, especially in Denver. Yeah. In the altitude. Yeah, definitely. Something I've never experienced before this trip. Yeah, I uh, I, I always had minimal struggles in Denver. Sometimes it's worse than others, you know. Um, but uh, what I didn't realize, because this time I struggled in Gallup, and I didn't realize until this trip, which is probably the fourth or fifth time I've been there, that it's actually another thousand miles up. A thousand, like, thousand miles? Or a, a thousand, uh, sorry, another thousand feet. It was like, uh, sorry, I've been thinking this whole trip in miles. Um, we hit uh, 5,800 miles today, by the way. So oh, that's the final final count on this trip. But, yeah, it's another uh, thousand feet. It's like 6,400 feet out there um, where we played in Gallup. Um, that was the one where I struggled. I had to point to Doug and have him run and get my inhaler. Yeah, I had a hard time there, too, especially because skateboarding before the set with all the kids for, oh, like, yeah. hours and then jumping on stage in the altitude not really realizing and trying to get down. Yeah, I was struggling through that one for sure. Oh, and then there was the, the one in uh, Pomona, actually, where I, um, everyone was – we were playing outside, but it was a covered patio. The whole thing was covered, and everyone's smoking, and I couldn't breathe. And I mentioned on stage, I was like, hey, uh, this is weird, but, like, I just changed my insurance. I couldn't afford to bring my inhaler. Like, uh, like if you guys could maybe uh, put out the cigarettes until I'm done. Like, uh, I feel really weird saying this. And a guy just walks up and hands me his inhaler when I was playing the process. And I just like, and it was like Popeye. You, did, dude. you came to life. Yeah. 
That was funny. Yeah, that that was sweet. And that that guy saved my ass because I ended up using it. Well, well yeah, in Gallup and like a bunch of other places. You know, I will say to the credit of the people of Pomona, when you said that, I did see like four or five people put their cigarettes out. They did, yeah. Yeah, yeah which was really cool. You don't always expect people to like give a shit about things like that, but it, it was cool that some of them did yeah. as well. First tour, I, I had that same conversation in Boise, except where I did have my inhaler. It was just like everyone smoking inside and uh, like the whole front row. And uh, they just looked at me like, and? <laughs> yeah, that, that was what it was like the first time we played in Reno. There was a wood-burning fire pit in the middle of the bar inside. <laughs> And I don't even know how it was getting ventilated outside, but not all of it was escaping. Yeah. And the whole front row is sitting there, like, enraptured, like, just, like, no look on their face, really just staring at us, just puffing away, just blowing <laughs> right in my face. And they see me, like, taking big breaths while I'm trying to rap and shit and just, no, did not register at all. And I, I don't think a lot of people understand that, you know, how, people people how, look at rapping and they think like, oh yeah, you're just talking over a beat. They but, forget the importance of oxygen. Well, yeah, and and it's so much more uh, about your your airflow and your breathing control than even singing or or you know other types of instruments. It's, I mean, it's closer to being like uh, a woodwind player or a brass player or something. You constantly have to have that airflow yeah. or you're fucked you just can't do it you know it's much more strenuous than going up there and playing a rock set or something which i don't think people get that they think our jobs are easier but cuz we talk yeah exactly but it's like when you're non-stop doing that and there's less tonal fluctuation than like a singer would have um you know in a 10 times more lyrics per song or whatever, yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely a much... I mean, it took me a while to figure out going from bands to rapping. And then even then I had a second guy. And then going without the second guy. Yeah, even after a few years of doing it, just going solo. That was tough too. I mean, it is work. Yeah, definitely. There are some parts in our songs where I don't breathe for like four to six bars so that I can fit all of the all of the pieces of the flow in the in the right spot without like cutting it up by breathing you know so yeah psa don't smoke cigarettes at me while i'm rapping please <laughs> and i did say at me yes it's hostile <laughs> i kind of made it my mission on this trip too to protect you from smoke as much as i could i was your lungs bodyguard yeah yeah because i mean um being the the straight edge guy in a rap tour is always a little bit weird and then um you know, we play at bars and stuff. That's, like, one thing. Um, but, like, they're everyone's putting the alcohol into their own body, you know. But if you're playing on, like, a smoking uh, patio or if, you, if everyone's lighting it up at the crash spot for the night, it's like... Or if you're in Colorado, Washington, or Oregon. Yeah, there's kind of no choice but to share with everyone around you so yeah i just kept yeah i just kept quoting dewey cox at you all the time just you don't want none of this sam get out of here <laughs> a few times people were like yeah we can just get high right here in the living room i was like no let's... i was like i'm gonna go check the van now hey but there were some times where i told them no if we could go outside because you know sam's gonna sleep in here it's a better environment for yeah him. definitely yeah yep 
That's love. That happened. Yep. We're friends now. You you guys can't see it, but I'm tapping my chest right here. I still can't see it. With his... Sorry. This isn't the van anymore. <laughs> yeah, what stays in the van is because it should never leave the van. <laughs> That's like the most bastardization of that uh vegas slogan uh, people say stuff there and that's how it goes <laughs> <laughs> oh my god it's so funny i open up the van door and i just like look over and just see sam cradling this tiny puppy and just mwah, 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 mwah. <laughs> yes you need this mwah, 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 mwah. oh yes and then he goes inside and then picks up his cat and yes rub faces this is what you need mwah, mwah, mwah. Is great. Hey, we have a close relationship here. Sadly, I can't kiss my turtle, but I'm gonna high five him. <laughs> well, we were yesterday when we woke up uh, with the Holties, um, they uh, their dog their dog kept putting his paw, or her paw in my hand, like I'd be scratching her head, and if I'd slow down, she just put her hand up, like, "Come on, we're still friends. Don't Come stop on, the petting." Pal. Pal. Now let okay. Let's talk about this. Um, a lot of people ask, uh, you know, how often we sleep in the van and stuff like that. Um, and I did that a lot on the first couple tours, and uh, it's just it's not fun. It's sweaty. It's stinky. It's uncomfortable. Nobody sleeps well. And when you're driving all that time, uh, you need to sleep well. And when you're playing a bunch of shows in a row and you're eating like shit, you need to sleep well. So. Um, We've had a lot of uh, uh, generous people almost every place we go. Sometimes people we just met that night, like Jerry that we mentioned, that'll take us into their home. And, you know, it's it's something that never ceases to amaze me. But we've had some really great hosts on this uh, on this trip. People are uh, surprisingly nice to musicians, you know. Like, I, I know a lot of people from where I'm from that are just douchebags to, to musicians and like oh get a real job and then maybe I'll help you but uh everybody was really nice here with does that Dana was that also in New Mexico just like right at Arizona right after we played he's just like oh come crash in my place everybody can sleep there yeah that was good for everybody but Sam well <laughs> yeah no that was good for me actually that there I was in the shower when you guys all went to bed and he let the dogs in the house the dog peed on my sleeping bag I found out when I, I came out of the bathroom. And uh, so he let me toss it in the washer. And he's like, well, here, just come up and stay in my son's room. He's not here. So, I mean, I did get my own bed out of the deal. So, I just wanted to hear you talk about it. It wasn't all bad. <laughs> well, nice setup then. Good segue. I got to point out, we have that song, Ultimatum, that is about people that don't support people with passions and stuff like that. And, you know, like you guys said, on the flip side, we've met a lot of great people on this trip. And we always do every time that we're out. You know, there's definitely people out there who are supportive and who do recognize and appreciate passion. And uh, I don't know, I just felt the need to point out that that does exist and that we're thankful for it especially because i wrote a song about the opposite thing and i've been rapping it every night for three weeks yeah like you go up there and complain about it every night and then we're like oh but thank you for actually caring yeah no not you guys not yeah. you guys fuck everyone else but no. them i uh i actually every time i go on tour the juxtaposition of you know my my regular life i'm approaching now 12 years working stupid retail jobs 
and um, and doing this and trying to balance those things. And when I go on tour, it kind of restores my faith in humanity again because every night you're with creative people and music fans and and all different kinds of uh, of our kind of people, you know, skaters and and artists and rappers and DJs and promoters and fans, you know. Yeah, and it's all very real connections because we're basically at that point just full-time, like, just being ourselves to the fullest extent, whereas, like, at, at the UPS store or at the theater that I work at, you and me, like, we're just talking to random people and taking their money and it's like yeah, just you're just, soulless interaction yeah you're just regurgitating the script you know yeah. and 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 people look down their nose at you and and you know you 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 know that you're capable of these other things and that it brings you know a real connection with you and and um these strangers every time and so it feels like you're trapped and then when you go out um, like before I left for this tour, I was just in like a solid month or two of just depression, like really, really bad. And I wasn't, I didn't want to go on tour to be straight up. I was like, I don't think I can do this right now. I can't, you know, I don't know. I just wasn't in a good place. And by the second night of tour, I got off stage and went, oh God, I forget how good this feels, you know, just to be out here. And, and it's like, uh, most people have like a weekend and they'll catch up on the things with their family and what they need to do around the house and then they'll go okay now back to regular life you know on monday and and i feel like kind of the opposite of that like when we go on the road it's like oh god i forget this is what our lives can be what they're supposed to be Yeah, yeah what i've always thought they would be since i was a kid this is what it is all about and so those people that you know come to the shows they buy the records they'll let you stay at their house they'll you know they'll pay for your meal or something like that or they'll draw a picture of you you know we had a couple yeah. fan drawings on this tour which is yeah, awesome it was really awesome um you know all of those things just renew your spirit uh it so much yeah, yeah. absolutely absolutely and uh i your Bay Area accent earlier impression. It was like way more Southern than Bay Area for sure. But uh, it was an interesting dialect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's for sure. I gotta, I gotta say though, uh, my grandparents, they were my grandfather was born in Hayward and lived there his whole life. It right? sounds like a long story. No, it's gonna take like literally three more sentences. <laughs> but if I wasn't getting interrupted, I might have been done already. Son of a bitch. Damn. No. So my grandfather, born and raised in Hayward, you know, California, but he's got this, you know, this this like weird accent thing. And my dad always talked about it. And you know, he says like, "Wash your hands." And I'm just like. You know, you're right. Like, how the hell did you get that? Like, who gave you this accent? Like, no one around you talks like that. Like, I he, watched so many episodes of The Sopranos. And now I think I get it. He just watched all these, like, you know, westerns and southern movies. And just like, dude, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird how that shit can rub off on some people, man. Like, I remember when I watched um, the Ricky Gervais show, Extras. It was a couple years after that whole Sopranos thing, which never went away. But I uh, watched a whole season. I binge-watched Extras, and uh, it's a British show. And I remembered I was, like, sitting in the bathroom, 
just thinking. And I realized I was thinking in a British accent. Dude, no. I'm like, what oh my the God, fuck yeah. is happening right now? That absolutely happens to me. <laughs> uh, you were you were talking in a um, Mark Wahlberg voice. Man, yeah. he's been my inner dialogue many times, my friend. <laughs> many yes. times. Yeah, the problem is I'm horrible with impressions uh, in general, but it just comes out like involuntarily. Uh, so the weirdest thing for me is when I saw the uh, the girl with the dragon tattoo, and it's in another language. And after I watched all those movies, I went home and I was just like thinking in subtitles, but like another <laughs> language was coming out. And I was like, ah, there is something seriously wrong with me right now. <laughs> that one I don't know about, but I will say when I watched <laughs> is weird man. when I when I when I binge watched Heroes, uh, I do remember being fascinated by the Japanese dialect. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, being fascinated by the Japanese, I have no idea what that's like at all. Yeah, if you're a... No, he's lying. He loves it. Yeah, if you're a, a Japanese lady and uh, you're going to be in Eugene tonight... No, I'm just kidding. This isn't going to air till later. God damn it. If only there was a way. <laughs> you I'll need, be back. You need to get on... I love Eugene. I'm, uh, and I'm not just saying that. I really do like this place a lot. <laughs> I love Eugene. <laughs> I miss Eugene. Dream. Oh man, so uh, that we kind of went on some tangents there, but but hosts, we had some great, great hosts. We did. We don't want to shout out any of those folks. Oh God, we just need, we needed a list. We need a montage. I know. I mean, there's no way to include everybody, but but you know. Jive and scientists, guys. For oh sure. yeah, jive and scientists, man. We didn't even play with them. They fed us. They gave us a place to stay. We got a flat tire sitting in front of their house. In Tucson. In Tucson, Arizona. And, uh, yeah, those guys came out, and they were trying to help. We didn't have a jack big enough for the van, just like last time, and I never got you a new a one. You a jack, by the way, before I know. the next trip. I am poor. And uh, we, they're like, well, why don't you make yourselves at home and come and watch some Always Sunny? And uh, Runt, the MC in the group, said, yeah, I'll, I'll go to Walmart, get you guys a jack. Like, oh, dude, thank you so much, you know takes like an hour like what the fuck how far away is this walmart i feel really bad now you know he comes inside like tire's done you guys are good to go I'm like what you just changed the shit for us like, that was great those guys blew me away that that took and we had a shit show that night where by the time i went on stage every single person left um and uh and it was just you guys no, yelling nick oh yeah oh yeah uh, uh fetus was there yeah um and you guys were yelling back, nobody gives a fuck, and, you know, doing that stuff and making me feel better about my shitty night. And then after that, we got a fucking flat tire, and I was just done. I was like, fuck this. I'm over this whole day. And those guys took us in, and... and that really turned the night around, actually. It totally did. We yeah. left there in such high spirits. We really did, yeah. Yeah, and, and they had us go around the corner to this tire shop in the morning to get the bad one patched for a spare. You remember that? Oh, yeah. We went to this little Mexican tire shop. We walk in, and uh, the guy sees the van. What kind of music do you guys do? And uh, I said, we're rappers. And he looks at me kind of sideways. And uh, he goes, oh, you heard this guy that's playing on the radio? It's like some just garbage-ass music. And that's what it was. What's the guy's name? Slim. I forget. Slim Thug. Slim Thug? Slim Jesus. Slim Jesus. Slim Jesus. Yeah. He's like, he's like, what do you think of this guy? He, he, he's, 
he, or so, it was whatever they were playing. Maybe it was internet radio. I don't know. But he's like, what do you, what do you think of this guy, man? You think he can spit? And he's pretty good, huh? And I was like, man, if you think this guy can rap, l- listen to us. And he's like, oh, yeah? And so I I went and, uh, you know, they're fixing our tire, helping us out. And I, I gave him a copy of the CD. And he stops looking at the tire, walks outside to his car. All the other employees stop and walk over there. So there's three employees of this little tire shop and me standing outside this guy's little Civic or whatever. Blasting nobody gives a I fuck. Went, I found a hot dog stand. I think I went to get the hot dog and came back and I looked over and it was you and all the employees gathered around a car <laughs> just like nodding your heads. <laughs> yeah. So that was a trip. Um, so yeah, our whole Tucson experience was definitely turned around um, by just a couple of uh, pretty uh, simple acts of kindness. Yeah, that, that ended up going from weird to better to awesome. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, there there are definitely a few people on this trip that I connected with heavily as far as, like, artists are concerned that I definitely want to, like, try to bring to the Bay Area and, uh, like, help them out as well. You know, always try to spread the love and give back. Um, but my favorite place that we played for sure, or that we stayed, rather, yeah. was uh, Missoula with, uh, with Keenan. Keenan from Codependence. I don't know. I just felt super at home there. All the like skate culture and like his group of friends. Just everyone was super cool. Yeah. We watched French people kill zombies together. <laughs> like that's bonding right there. That was great too because we pulled into town and and I told Keenan I was gonna hit him up when we got there. But we, uh, me and Doug wanted to hit the record store first, and so we're like, well, we'll go there first and then we'll call him and tell him that we're that we're nearby. And so we turn around the corner and uh trying to find parking and danny goes there's a guy that just pointed and said that's sammy warm hands and then i'm like what no he didn't and no, he starts no running after me, the van yeah. alongside of us and i'm like oh shit that's keenan there's a skate shop right next to uh where we were so um that was cool like these guys ended up skating a little bit with oh yeah you uh, skeptic and doug are the the uh, skaters of the group we also have that pairing but uh, yeah, that was cool, and then we we ended up um, spending a lot of time with Keenan and them. It was a good spot, and I fell asleep numerous times. Yes, you did. You fell asleep <laughs> I had done so too much many driving times. that week. We had some amazing food there. Uh, one thing that I remember about that day very vividly is um, I had way too much coffee that day, and and ended up in <laughs> a coffee buzzing. shop just mixing some of uh, LTC stuff, which is Skep and I. That's our our hometown crew. The Loeb Trotters Collective. The Loeb Trotters Collective. And I just was cracked out on caffeine in this in this coffee shop. And I remember seeing Skep walk by and then just texting him. He's like, I'm in, the, I'm in the coffee shop right now. It's okay. I don't want to him in the coffee shop. <laughs> <laughs> and then just be like, click, 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 click. And then Sam walks by and I'm in the coffee shop. It's okay. I'm in the coffee shop right now. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, mm. it was a good time, but. Oh, man. This is one of the things I got to say. I, this is one of the things that I loved about touring with you guys is that. Um, uh, like you said, you know, hanging out with Keenan and his friends, man, I just felt like so at home. Like, I no longer feel like the weirdo when you guys are around. It's like, yeah, Thank these you. are my people, you know. I don't know. I enjoyed it. <laughs> Sometimes I could <laughs> look at his eating people. habits and think like, wow, that's how people look at me, you know. And then other times we're like, literally, I've n- I can never do this because I'm so picky. But one of us would order a thing and and... And then I or you would go, 
you know, and I'll have what he's having. Like, nowhere in life does that happen to me. You you put me up on uh, the honey the honey chicken at P.F. Chang's. Yeah. I, normally I go for orange chicken. I didn't know what the situation was there. Yeah. You saw me through, Sam. I appreciate that. Yeah. Okay. Here's another great um, uh, host. We didn't stay with him, but my friend Intellectual um, from L.A., I've stayed with him a lot of times. I hit him up to say we were in town, and he goes, oh, dude, I work at this aquarium now. Um, you guys should come out, and I'll hook you up. And so we got to spend the whole day in Long Beach at the aquarium. He gave us, like, a behind-the-scenes um, tour, uh, like, above the tanks and everything, and, and we went out to lunch, and that, that was just an awesome day. That was cool. That's one of the few times when we get to, like you were saying, be tourists. Yeah, we never do that stuff. It's always drive there, show up, play, yeah, leave. Yeah. That was awesome. We pet some sharks. Sam petted a shark. And and a ray. And those those things were hilarious when it was feeding time. And they they'd be like, Alright, everyone's hands out of the water now because uh they're just gonna open their mouth and whatever goes into it they'll eat. I was like, Alright, that's weird and we're looking at them and these little rays they're tiny, they're probably like eighteen inches wingspan or something, you know. Uh whatever you want to call it. And uh they they just open the hatch and glide. Uh, it was everything. so weird looking. It's kind of like you, Doug. Is that how I eat? It's just like... Uh, whatever whatever happens to be in the vicinity. Yeah, right? Kind of. Like, I'll take this off of a tree. I'll finish this guy's plate. I'll finish that guy's beer. Oh, oh <laughs> I'm Doug. I wake up at 8 o'clock and eat bananas. <laughs> I gotta say though, I was really excited about this random uh, trip to the aquarium because this is one of the few in California that I hadn't gone to yet, and I was planning to go there. And we got in for free, got backstage passes, and Sam had an orange Julius that I accidentally exploded all over him. <laughs> I forgot about that. Actually, yeah, we get there and I was like, oh damn, it's, it's it's hot as fuck. We're walking around this thing, and I see the orange Julius stand. I was like, damn it, I know we're gonna buy food after this, but I gotta just go over my budget, and I'm hot as hell. And it was delicious. No, no, no. It was a Jamba Juice. Yo, that's Jamba right. Juice. I was going to say it was an $8 juice, probably closer to 12 since it was Jamba. No, it was like four ninety five or something. It was stupid, but worth it. <laughs> totally worth it. And then I realized that I was like eating... What did you have? You had pretzel or something? And I, I was drinking my juice and I was so happy. And then uh, you're like, here, you want some of this pretzel? And I'm eating this pretzel big soft baked pretzel and then I'm like I just pet the sharks and stuff and I didn't wash my fucking hands Ew. I'm eating finger food right now there's a shark growing inside your body right now and we met a couple that's cool like alien or something just gonna yeah. burst out my chest yeah we saw shark eggs that was pretty crazy mermaid purses <laughs> that's what they call them yeah. That's seriously what they call them. That's what they look like, like little mermaid bags. People used to think back in the day that they were mermaids and they would just, like, find purses. And then one day they're like, oh, those are fucking sharks in there, dude. Like, <laughs> science. All right, so um, what are some essentials for touring? This one we learned. I just happened to bring a roll of toilet paper. I never do that. I brought one. We stayed in a few places where that was, like, definitely a, a godsend oh, to yeah. have. Oh, yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, we were, we did pretty well having places to stay or, or, or motels. You know, we almost had a shower every day. Um, but, uh, you know, TP and baby wipes, and I don't even mean in a gross way, just like, you know, we sweat on stage last night. 
didn't get a shower, you know, clean off your face, you know, whatever. Yeah. You know, that's a that's a really good thing to have. Yeah, usually me and Dan, this is the first tour we've ever been on where we didn't take my RV. Yeah. So normally we just have a house with us, essentially, but no one uses the shower because it's tiny and there's usually like eight dudes in it, you know, <laughs> in the RV, not the shower. No, you just open the shower and there's just eight dudes just back there. Eight and you're dudes. Like, oh, that's, God, that's, they're still here. That's where we store them. <laughs> <laughs> um but the funny thing is, we probably bathed. No, we absolutely did bathe more regularly on this trip than we normally do with the RV. Because with the RV, it's generally like every two or three days we hit a rest stop or an RV park or like a camp uh, campsite or something like that and use their showers. Or if someone's cool enough to let us crash. But yeah, you know, this time around, almost every night we had somewhere really solid to stay. Yeah, that was really nice because uh, before, you know, all those illusionist tours, you know. I just had to shave my head, and now that I got this fucking shit sticking out of it, um, you know, it sucks to sleep on, because it rubs this nasty stuff into my pillowcase, it's all in my face, and so it was kind of a nice excuse, because I I started doing it, and then realized, wow, I just feel so much better in general, because that's generally how it was before, you know, you shower every two or three days, and, you know it's you know it's fine you deal with it whatever but like you're sweating your ass off on stage every night you know and then you're sitting in the car you know stationary for however many hours a day four to eight hours a day on average probably um that's definitely a good thing what other uh what other essentials do we have on this one anything audio related to hook yourself up more often than not we found out that uh the sound people if there were people sometimes there was no one and sometimes you had to do there it was, or i or we had to share we had to, we had to team up and do this but you know the di boxes those came in handy yeah uh, the rca and uh the eighth inch to quarter inch cables all have kinds a, of adapters having extra mics and cables all that just make sure you, the gear you got to bring the gear man no show no gear tour is pointless <laughs> that's so that's super essential. We used to bring a little portable PA on the ill tours in case we had like a house show or something. Uh. But um, it was just like more extra shit in the back. So yeah. we stopped doing it. But definitely still bring the boxes of cables and DIs and, and mics and stuff because you'll never know when you're going to need it. Or or like uh, your laptop got knocked over. Uh. It, it I mean, it, it did a little cosmetic damage, but it broke my cable that we were using. Mm-hmm. So... Had another sound guy the next day, whatever, and he give you one for... Yeah, yeah, well, at the end of the night, I'm cleaning up, you know, and he was just like, hey, uh, so I know, like, your cable is busted, and we had to use the venues, but, like, I just, you know, I bought a new one here, and uh, I like you guys, and I think you're cool, so just go ahead and take this one home. And I was like, are you sure? And he was like, yeah, you know, you guys are on the road, and you're not going to be home for a little while, and the show's got to go on, so just take this cable. And That's then, rad. Was that Joe in Missoula? Yeah. Yeah. He was great. Yeah. And, and that was funny, too, because we played a different venue than last time, but he was the same sound guy from yeah, when he, me and Yeah, he told Oga me he didn't find out until, like, uh, a few days before. He was just, like, looking at the calendar, like, all right, what am I doing? Oh, fuck, I know that guy. Like, <laughs> yeah. I did to him last time. This is tight. Oh, we did. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. No, actually, I remembered him because that show was one of the ones where there's, like, two or three people left by the time I went on stage. And afterward, like sometimes you play a tiny show and you like fight through the set and it's really kind of depressing, 
you know, close your eyes a lot, try to get lost in the music. And then after the set, you know, you get like the one person left in the audience and like the sound guy or the bartender to come up to you and, and, and they're really into it and they like buy your record or your shirt or whatever. And, and it makes you feel a lot better because even though that maybe it wasn't promoted very well or whatever, you're not playing at the best place. Um, the people who are hearing it are fucking feeling it. And yeah, so I remembered him for doing that for me. Connect with who's there. That's yeah. all that really matters. Yeah, definitely. In those situations, what I take away from it is that there are people who are paid to hang around music all day. And, like, let's be honest, regardless of what your job is, like, it's it gets tedious. There are points where you don't want to be there or, like, you have other things going on or whatever. So... For someone who is paid to run sound every night and I'm sure has a discerning ear and runs into a fair share of groups that they don't like or that they, they just are so neutral about they don't even really like think to analyze or whatever. But uh, for people who experience that like every day, every week to come up to us and be like, yes, you stood out to me. Yeah, that's is, great. It's a huge compliment, honestly, regardless of if there are other people there or not. It's uh it's just it's a good feeling yeah those people in the industry are probably seeing music you know three to five nights a week three to five acts a night three to five genres a week as well true yeah and and so that's uh that that's always a really good feeling yeah for sure And, and i know that's something we talked about too is like there's nights when it's it's a low turnout or maybe it's a place whose layout it's not like a it's not necessarily a music venue. It's a place where people hang out and socialize or drink and whatever. It's not really a venue per se, you know? And so there's a few people up front. Maybe everybody else is sitting down. You know, like Boise is a good example. You know, a lot of people are sitting down at the bar. A lot of people are sitting in the booths on the side. Youths in the booths. And um, we, uh, you know, I remember Doug up there not really feeling that set. Um, and it's easy to get discouraged, but sometimes you don't know those people in the back are listening and feeling it just as much. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's super important to not give up on your set. You know, I think we've all had a moment or two on the tour where we say some shit <laughs> in between songs that we shouldn't have said. You know. Yeah. That I think that was one for me. I think that was probably my night. I think we're after famous last words and I was like really I've had like no one yell louder than this group of 25 people that's you know carrying on and staring at me but not getting out of their stool not yelling it back you know it's just like just fucking do it you know I got I got really mad fucking Um, do it and I was really close I was like you know what I'm just gonna play anti-fun and everybody can fuck off you know I'm just going to do that. But there was a couple people out there that were genuinely like really listening and I thought I'm not going to I'm not going to ruin the set for them. I'm not going to get pissed. Yeah. Yeah. Um god, I'm trying to think of where it was. There was somewhere where we thought like the people weren't really too engaged because they were sitting down and eating and then uh, they're, like, eating and drinking during the set and everything. Like, it was just the layout at the spot. Um, and one of us, I think it was either me or Doug, but somebody walked by that table and they were talking about the show. Oh, it was Cortez. 
Was it Cortez? It's Cortez. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you went you went to the back um cuz we were we were bummed like we went out there. We did a whole radio show before the the dude PA was also the he was the radio host and the promoter of the event. You know, we 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 thought it was going to be super great show and we get there and it's like a uh, I mean, it's called the trophy room. So you get in there and there's all these like taxidermy deer heads and shit on the walls. And it just seemed like a total like rural crowd, not a rap crowd. It was a hunting lodge. Yeah. And you uh, see, I don't even know. What, I don't know what shit's called. <laughs> it felt like it. <laughs> it's not a place I belong. Um, and and we're, we're some nights, you know, it's just us standing up front for each other. Or like when you were freestyling, you pointed at literally the fan that I had on to cool me down, and you freestyled about the fan in the front row, you know. <laughs> but you you actually had people engage you when you walked to the back well, of the room. It was a very long room where with a lot of space, and everybody was kind of in the back, which is where the bar was, but seated at tables as well. And I like kind of passed them to go to the bathroom, and they were totally just talking about what they just saw on stage. And then I think I, it was when I came back, and then one of them stood up, like shook my hand, bought me a drink, bought a CD, and sat back down and listened to some more stuff. But you would never know it, you know, unless you had that moment with him. Cause yeah. They, they, it just looked like a bunch of people drinking and not even paying attention, but you'd be surprised sometimes at who's listening. Yeah, and this it's it's tempting to get belligerent in those situations and be like, God damn it, you know, or, or say something about the people in the back. Yeah, but that's how you win people over, though, too. They see you persevere through that. They, they know it's a... You know, not the most comfortable place to be on stage with nobody seeming to listen. But yeah, that, what did that guy press, say to you? He said something about that. He's like, this shit, he said something about like, this is uh, this is shameful or whatever, yeah, but you guys like, deserve a... You guys need a, you guys need a big room. Like, this this would go over well in a big room. Yeah. You know, which is, that's great. That's, that's super encouraging. And that's why you go hard every night. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No matter who's there, you know, you don't, you don't cut a song because you're not feeling it. You don't, oh, yeah. you know give up on on I mean you basically you just have to sell it you have to sell it every night definitely and like you said I think we each had a moment at least of of frustration and like I think Boise was mine too when you kind of look and you, you see the back of people's heads at the <laughs> bar because the stage yeah. is on the other side of the room and then it's just nothing but hair <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah definitely my moment of frustration on this trip was actually very different it was uh it was when Danny was puking and I was trying to convince, what? I was trying to, convi- oh. I was trying to convince you guys that that's not him, that that's not normal. That was like the second day. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, and I was like, oh Jesus, what am I getting into? No shame, I accept it. <laughs> it happened. I'm proud. I had a lot of fun. It was a good time. Skeptics just jealous. Actually, he puked too, twice. Yeah, no shame as well. And I wasn't saying it to shame you, my co-dragon. I was just saying, you know, <laughs> it's it's a thing that happened. Like, yeah, dragons spew. What's up? <laughs> But but I will say, so I just like I just have some stomach issues and I eat shittily constantly. So sometimes I, I just told you I relate to this guy. So, sometimes I just th- like I just wake up and throw up. It's an unfortunate part of being me. But uh, and I was afraid that would happen. But both of the times that I threw up were just from weird situation. I had something fly down my throat and then <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah, then one day I woke up to an emergency text, and that I got all frustrated and freaked out and threw up, but everything worked out and was cool in the end. But, uh, yeah, dragons just stay spewing. Dog, what's up? <laughs> you spit that fire? I spit that bile. Oh, wow. 
You had a line like that. If you if you try it, you might choke on bile. Yeah. Yep. It's an ogar. Wow. Lyric. It's pretty ogreish of you. Yeah. At one point, I remember making a joke about uh, you, Sam. You were trying to get a hotel, and um, this was just taking a long time. They wouldn't take just cash. They needed a car. Oh God. So you had Skip go in there yeah. to go with you. And it was just, like, so frustrating, and it was just like, God, what are we going to do going there next? And uh, Doug was just like, yeah, like, what are they going to, like, oh, you bring this big-ass dude in here now? Like, what is this? <laughs> I was like, yeah, they're going to, like, what, next they're going to invite in uh, Shrek and Donkey, which was Ogar and myself. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> we had some interesting motel experiences. I remember checking in in Palm Springs, actually, like, on our way. We, we stopped after L.A., on the way to uh, the Phoenix area. And, uh, like, there's a cop car parked out front, and I walk in, and there's this guy is, like, arguing with the lady behind the counter. And then these two cops come in, and they're holding these giant-ass nightsticks. Um, they got the deluxe ones for this guy. Deluxe. And, uh, nightsticks. And they're evicting him because he tried to sneak people into his room. So people who, uh, I have toured with people before where they're like, oh, yeah, you know, just tell them there's two of us. I'm like, eh, I don't know, because my wife calls me Honest Abe, you know. I just, whatever. You have. That's how I am. But, um, yeah, they were kicking that guy out, and they were ready to kick his ass if he started any shit, so... I'm not going to lie, I, I would have been that guy to suggest that on this tour, but it's the way I was raised, okay? It's how I was brought up, all right? I have, like, five siblings, and Disneyland is not fucking cheap. You went to Disneyland. Not, a, not like, because I wanted to. Oh, know? sure. No, you had a horrible time. <laughs> no, that's true. I fucking hate amusement parks. Oh, really? Yeah. Dude, I love this guy. We, we just fucking get each other, dude. We're all about <laughs> hair care and hating shit. <laughs> I like that picture of us doing our hair together. That was funny. Yeah, that was a good time. We're stupid. That time you met Kirk Hammett. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I was like, man, I've been playing your solos since eighth grade, man. Except that's a lie. I used to play your solos in eighth grade. I should say it that way. I couldn't play them now. I can't do that. That's how it works. You get worse at things. Well, you know, when you don't do them, it's like atrophy, you know. jerking off at this point in our lives yeah but now we haven't done it on this whole tour so we're gonna be home and we'll be really bad at it well that's what we got couches for man <laughs> oh my god oh this is man i'm really glad you're not staying here tonight <laughs> that's all i gotta say because we're we're dangerously close to the end of the trip and I, I just i think i'm burnt out i think all day like I, this is probably one of the first jokes i made like skeptic has been making jokes all day and i wake up and i'm just like man i'm so not ready for you right now man <laughs> i'm gonna need you to just not do that bro i want to hear from this guy yeah so this is our third tour together now yeah how do you feel this went compared to the others um for me it's gotten better every time i think i think so too i mean i'm getting it's the longest i've been out first time was the shortest so every time out a little bit longer and a part of it of course is going to places like that we were last year seeing the familiar faces and kind of being being acclimated to the place already a little bit it makes it it makes it awesome like yeah we're actually seeing familiar faces at almost every show now yeah that's true especially between the four of us like almost or maybe everywhere we go yeah somebody knows somebody 
and yeah, the longer it makes me want to do it again, you know. Met, met some new people this time. Want to go back to the new towns I didn't go to before. Yeah, this was cool because we kind of pulled our contacts and and we were each exposed to places the other had played before, but we necessarily hadn't, you know. I thought that that was a cool way to do this trip because normally I just do them all myself, so uh, we kind of wind up playing the same old spots. But uh, yeah, it was cool to mix it up this time. We definitely had shorter drives, more connecting cities. That's true. That was nice. That helped a lot because I don't know. I don't like a day where um, you have too much time to kill because then that's how we go broke, trying to fill time. True. Get your skateboard out, man. (laughs) (laughs) I'll hurt myself. I can't even ollie anymore. But, Always um, trying to make Sam do physical things like take a walk for six blocks. <laughs> He's got to tell me it's three, then I'll go. You got this strategy now. Yeah. Sam, it's only three blocks away to get tacos. I'm like, oh, tacos. But now I don't believe you. I'm Now I'm skeptical. I'll get a new one. I'll figure something <laughs> out. <laughs> Dude, there's a record store over there. Come on. No, we're low on gas. Don't drive. You got a pretty good haul this time. Oh, records? Yeah. Yeah. Because that's kind of our thing, man. Like, every city we go, if we have any time at all, first thing we do is go to the record store. Um, was it, this is your first time at Amoeba LA? In LA, yeah. What? Okay. This, this is my favorite part here. Uh, favorite record spots. Ooh. So we, okay, so we did. One of my favorites that we didn't hit this time was Rasputin in Berkeley. Yeah, you hit. You might have gone there. I, were off well, you guys went off doing and I, naughty things or something. Yeah, and I I was walking to that Chipotle and I thought, I don't know if there's time. And I like popped my head in there and I just skimmed through the punk section and ran away. <laughs> I, was, I was like, oh, because I had a list of things that I was kind of after and um, yeah. I didn't see them and I ran away because that store is like multiple levels, multiple rooms, and I I couldn't. Yeah, I had a better time in the record stores this trip because last time I had a lot less money and it was, and if I was digging through vinyl and I find something that I need and it's just torture. Yeah, so yeah. I was like, what's the point? I'm going to go skate. Yeah, for sure, for this sure. This time, yeah, I got a little haul, got a bunch of cool used singles and we go spin some hip hop when I get home. We ran into two different signings too, which was kind of weird. Yeah. Like we were just drop in to go to a place and like, why are all these fucking people here? Oh, that's another new one to me is in Denver. What's it called? Twist and Shout. Twist and Shout. That's a really great store. It is. Yeah. Yeah. I wish we I actually spent a lot more time in there. Yeah. I wish we had a regular day there where it wasn't like just a snake of people through the whole place. Those are the best shops when you know you only found you only went through like half of the stuff you wanted to see. Yeah. Because we got to go to a show or whatever, but then that's where you're going to go back to. Yeah, that that place is cool, too, because they have a DVD room that has all kinds of, like, bootleg concerts and shit. That, like, I'm into that stuff. Yeah, you are. Um, and uh, and they do have a good hip-hop vinyl section. Huge. Because that's... Yeah. It's, not, it's not often that you find a place that has both of the things that, that yeah. we're after, you know, like a good CD selection and then, like, a, a good vinyl selection with actual like underground shit in it. That's true. That one awesome store in Missoula, a Rock and Rudy's. Right? Rock and Rudy's. We they also have, went to Ear Candy. Yeah, but that was a weird. That place is amazing, and they have more vinyl than I've seen in a long time. Yeah, they have a store. They have two stores, and one of them is just vinyl. But there wasn't a hip hop section. In, yeah, in either of the 
stores. Which is weird. Which is weird, but... but yeah. Well, you know, it's still a new thing, culturally, so... Right, Hasn't yeah. caught on yet. It's just a really a fad, in, though, I think. In Montana. Soon enough, <laughs> this'll just all be gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, rap music's just temporary. That's for sure. <laughs> That's what my dad used to tell me when I was in middle school and, you know, listening to Death Row and all that shit, and he said... <laughs> You know, I think he bet me twenty dollars that by the time I was in high school, that rap wouldn't be a thing anymore. You should collect. No, oh, I collected. Oh, you did? Yeah, he probably won't remember though. He's old. I could do it again. <laughs> <laughs> hey, remember when you bet me? I'm like, no, I don't. Well, he didn't remember the first time, but he did pay me because he trusted me. Really? Yeah. He's like, that sounds like something I would say. So yeah. <laughs> we were talking about that the other day in the van. We were like, uh, uh, rapping along to Dr. Dre or something on MTV, and he sneaks up. Oh. Or he walks in behind you and and sees you rapping the dirty Wu Tang song or whatever it was, yeah. and that was uh, the day that we weren't allowed to have MTV at our house anymore. Yeah. I was very, very into it rapping. Um, Keep their heads ringing. Yeah, that was when that came out. But I already knew all the words, and he was very surprised at that. Well, and then didn't you say he? Uh, uh, you you started labeling your rap tapes as country tapes because oh, you because he would. He would take them. Yeah, he was. Um, he was trying to edit the the music that I was listening to, and I was getting more clever and devious as it went on. And I would have, uh, you know, like a Warren G album, but it said Garth Brooks across the <laughs> label. <laughs> That's rad. You it was got... in the days of dubbing everything. Oh yeah, definitely, man. We had all kinds of mixtapes, or even I remember we, when uh, I first saw George Carlin was at your house. Yeah. And uh, we would rent the videos at Blockbuster, and we'd run RCA cables from one end of the house to the other end of the house. Oh, yeah. And dub the fucking stand-up specials. Yeah. Yeah. There was some makeshift editing going on in that house. Yeah. Now, Danny, how did you get started in, in video editing? Did you have some fucking uh, low-rent low kids shit like we used to do? Video editing? or? Yeah, because yeah, you, you do video production. Uh, I... Uh I actually started because of touring uh, last year. You know, I've, I had a had a phone that could take pictures and record video for a while now. And um, I just always told myself, like, one day I'm going to actually do this for real. And uh, last year, they went on a Bridging the Gap tour in June. And I don't, I don't even remember how I exactly got... I, I was going to be... Uh, the audio engineer for the tour and I was going to help them like live mix and like work with the mixers because way lower budget and nobody was Sammy Warmhands so <laughs> um, we couldn't get any cool things like that and I was like alright I'm buying a camera just for this trip and then just started you know taking pictures learning about that and then came back and started just doing it like that that's cool just, I, I always like doing tour videos because people like to know what you're up to when you're out there and um, you know, like I said, people's perception of, oh, you guys are going on tour, like, must be a big thing, like, you're playing theaters, you're whatever, so it's like, lucky. no, we're, you know, usually playing for, like, 20 people, and, um, sleeping on couches and floors and eating fast food a lot, but it is super rewarding in its own way. My family's <laughs> constantly like, cool, so this is, like, you know, your fourth tour, when do you buy me a Lamborghini? Yeah. <laughs> like, wow. Yeah. And people, people always ask me, like, what's it like to be on tour? And I just tell them usually just 
Whatever you're picturing, just take it down a couple notches, a lot less glamorous than that. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. You know what I get all the time that I think is funny is that uh, girls that I know will ask me how tour is going four months after I'm home. Like, they just think I'm always on tour. Oh, really? Like, like, tour, like oh, you started a tour, so that's the that's your pilgrimage for the rest of your life, right? It's the Vacant Eyes World Tour. It's the Vacant Eyes Forever Tour. 300 right? dates. Every other every other tour that I do for the next three years is actually just a sub-tour. Yeah, it's another leg tour. of the Vacant Eyes Tour. Can't wait for the third leg. Oh, shit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they get it from Burl. Is that, is that how it goes? Oh, God, Burl. <laughs> I'm trying. To, I'm trying to think of his line. Each, oh, I'll, each like, you, I'll hit you like a third meal. Uh, pass you in the third lane. We're messing it up. Is that the right order? You're you're a third wheel. No, I'll pass you, you in the, the third, third lane. lane. Eat you like a third, third meal. meal. Girls get the third leg. Yeah. God, there I'm, you go. I've been so good at remembering your guys' lyrics this whole trip, but I couldn't get couldn't get the dick Dude, joke. No, like I always. Uh, I'm really bad at it. And uh, uh, I, 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 I was super entertained when we did sound check in um, Salt Lake City. Oh, that was and, great. Like you were rapping along just sitting on the, at the merch table. And so I just handed you the mic for excuses. And you guys are like mic passing <laughs> our song. That was so much fun to watch. That, that was a lot of fun to do. And at that point, I pretty much knew both your guys' verses for that song. Especially because that's like, I don't know, one of my favorites of your videos for sure. Oh yeah, yeah, that was a fun one with Ki. People were people were people were messaging me like, "Wow, I'm really surprised you put like weed smoking and and yeah and twerking videos in your in in your song or whatever." I was like, "I don't know that that it's fucking Ki." (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. I was like, "Uh, "That no, we just uh, I went over to his place and pretty much shot as is, and then we're like, "Oh wait, what would make this even funnier? World star." Oh, I thought you were going to say you got there and that's just what he was doing, just smoking a blunt and watching, <laughs> watching World Star. And you were like, wait, that's it. Don't move. And I was like, wait, can you. It's like uh, a documentary with that guy. <laughs> it's like, can you. Uh, when I got there, I think he was um, laying there in his blanket with his dog. And I was like, wait, can you just stay there? And I'll do like a time lapse of like all the, you know, you and your dog just kind of laying in different positions with the blanket on the couch and shit while I'm texting you, you know. That was a fun one to shoot. Doug's we filmed in like 15 minutes or something. It's like you were in town for a show, I think. I was picking you up before the show or something. Yeah, I was at my parents' house about to have dinner, and I think like while dinner was still being cooked, we went and shot the video and came back and then ate. Oh, yeah, we came back and had dinner and went to the show. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that was fun. That, that video was one that I wanted to do with zero uh, storyboard. It was just like, you know what? I'm going to shoot today. And I was like, what do I need to do today? Yeah, I need to put out some flyers, so I went and put out some flyers. Yeah, you told me you were going to shoot me for the video, and I had no idea what you were talking about, and then we just drove in the I didn't got, either. got in a parking lot. Yeah, I know. We happened to find a cool location. I was a block from your house, uh, and I didn't know where we were going to go. And I saw that church parking lot with the cool lighting, and I thought, this will do. <laughs> it worked out. Yeah. Sometimes those are more fun than, you know, writing out every little last detail. Which is kind of funny because that's the exact reason we don't have music videos yet is because my lyrics are every exact detail. And it's just like, there's a video we've been trying to make for a while for our song Light Echoes. And I literally described like the building that the whole story takes place in. And 
every building we've gone to that we've had access to, I've just been like, no, it's not tile floor. Fuck this. We can't do it. It doesn't make sense anymore. Yeah, I mean, I feel that for some songs, like, I've wanted to make a video for the process since Bears Repeating, and I wanted to use old uh, found footage of, of, you know, all the shows I played when I was a kid, you know, that storyline that I'm talking about. Yeah. And I never made that video because... Um, I wasn't able to find a cheap way to transfer all that shit. Um, so I made video for other songs. You know, maybe you should try. No, oh, that's what we've been trying. Other, that, we got some plans. Songs. We got some plans. Videos coming eventually. Good. Quote I, me. I've had a couple people come up to me on this tour and be like, "So, what's the deal with Double Dragon? I couldn't find any of their music on YouTube." I was like, "Uh, look on their Bandcamp. Yeah, there you, you can go. get their new album there." I think I learned a lesson today. Can we, uh, let's talk about the music a little bit. Um, the Vacant Eyes tour, named after my new album, Vacant Eyes, wasn't going to come out yet, um, but you called me with this, you wanted to go in September, or I said, fuck it, let's, let's go, you know, I've got it pretty close, let's just finish it up, get it out, so the first day of tour I dropped that album, um, with all the new remixes, then like, a few days after, I think that mine came out on a Friday. Yours came out on the following on Tuesday. Tuesday, yeah. Um, Why wolves? Why wolves? And um, for any locals, uh, not to be confused with Rye Wolves, it's Y, letter Y, W U L V Z. Because they really like misspelling things to to yeah. confuse their fans when they Google them. Yeah. Well, we didn't we didn't <laughs> want to spell our name all weird, but uh, when we spelled it normally. Like, I make a joke about Atari's lawyers and shit, but uh, it just, you couldn't search for us. You'd search Double Dragon, you'd get, like, a thousand video games before you got us. So we decided to spell it all uniquely, and we were like, you know what, whatever, let's just go the whole way. It's all lowercase, and there's a period at the end. Like, (laughs) And then... uh, Although, the only thing that the period gets me is when you're making an event page or something, and you're like, Sammy Warmhands, comma... Double Dragon, period, comma, mm-hmm. Logar Burrell. I'm like, damn yeah. it. I enjoy seeing that. I like I like the uh, the weirdness. Okay. All right. For a guy who's collect- correcting everyone's English all the time, it's funny to me. I really wish yeah. you, I really wish you would have made a syntax error while talking about me correcting people's <laughs> English, but you didn't. Well, you know, um, I'm not a pessimist. I'm just not dumb. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I say every I know. night. Just quoting you. Thank you. Uh, yeah. So, um... Tell me a little bit about your guys' stuff for anybody who... I mean, obviously, I've been seeing it for three weeks, but anybody who's listening to the show is not familiar with Double Dragon. Um, you are an MC producer duo, and um, I think you guys have a really interesting style. Um, tell me about the new record. Um, new record, like you said, it's called Why Wolves, and uh, it is a question, and basically... The, the whole album, each song is about, like, different parts of human nature and, like, the way that I phrase it is really just, like, situations and the way that people respond. Like, there's a song about how Tinder is fucking terrible for people like me and uh, the song Why Wolves is basically just asking, like, in horror, like, why do people turn into monsters and shit like that? And basically what I say is that the moon and all those things are just convenient excuses and these are just things that people have inside and do when they like get the opportunity to so just, just kind of a metaphor for the dark side of humanity 
Yeah, so something like that. Yeah. You know, something exactly precisely like that. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'm gonna pass it over to. Dan. And and Danny, I think your production style is really interesting. Um, um, well, I'd like to continue on the lyrics before we do that, if that's okay. Oh, fine. Um, yeah. Fuck me. I'm just sorry. Talking about how uh, how horrible humans are. You know, we have. Uh, all these different things and I, I you know being a human think that humans suck so I actually have one contribution of, of songwriting that I took the lead on on this song it's one one lyrical one called a uh, gentrification of Gaia and it's about a uh, life from the point of view of plants and how you know humans are like just murdering your family and that song starts with uh, the lyrics every year I'm raped by bees <laughs> you know flowers yeah yeah I just want to say real quick before you start talking about like the actual music that uh, I know it sounds like really negative, but it was just supposed to basically be like character study on a large scale, and I did hit myself on some of these songs. I didn't just like talk about things that I see in other people that are weird. Like uh, the song "Better Find a Save Point" is about like the dangers of escapism, and like mm. you know, as yeah. I'm sure you figured out by now, I play a lot lot of video games and uh so yeah i just wanted to make sure that the lyrical concepts were not all finger pointy and negative and down on people but just literally like i said just why why do we do these things why do i act this way why do you act this way why is this the way that we all respond to this situation i I think that stuff's interesting because like you know coming up in punk rock a lot of the songs are um anti-establishment they're rebelling against a certain thing you know it's a lyrical takedown of a certain thing um but then if you were to look at like stand-up sometimes people get away with saying or making bigger statements like that or controversial statements because they're also putting themselves in the middle of it you know they're not afraid to turn the crosshair on themselves you know so that i think that's important to the audience to you know, if if you're going to take an aggressive stance like that, that it's not, you know, just outward. Yeah, the world doesn't care about you, but the, the world, world doesn't, doesn't care, care about, about me. me. Yeah. yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think that's, that's what makes that hook um, really fun instead of, like, just, God damn, these guys are dark, you know, <laughs> like... <laughs> uh, and and it's almost like a sing along at that point, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's really easy to get caught up at that point. Yeah, definitely. Um so let's talk about the music a little bit before we wrap up. Um Danny, um you play uh most people in hip hop I think they're familiar with the MPC, but it's a similar device, a sampler called the machine, which is also misspelled perfect for your guys group. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's M A S I mean, C-H- I knew it was spelled I mean. incorrectly, but yeah, but that um, connection—it was meant to be. Yeah, everything. Uh, well, no, no. I was gonna say, I guess everything happens for a reason, but like, no. I play a song every night where I say that's not true. So, um, anyway, uh, yeah, all your stuff is mostly live instrumentation, correct? You're playing all the uh, parts and dicing that shit up for the most part. Uh, yeah, everything that doesn't require me to uh you know do backup vocals or have a verse i i play the loops out or triggered pads that i have arranged or you know like one of the tracks i i play the beat with the drums and the bass and the little bell keyboards and then i trigger guitar samples which is samples of my own guitar playing 
Um, I played bass for another track. I try to play every track different, you know, it just makes it feel more fun to me. I didn't want to, you know, I wanted to like be a producer DJ, but I didn't want to just be like a DJ and hit play and be like, yeah, put your hands in the air. Make some noise, yo. Yeah, this guy that raps, yo. No, it's, it's, it's actually really um, engaging. And I think that um, you guys have a cohesive sound uh, but it, it's definitely very diverse. I mean, there's no... Um, I guess I couldn't say quite what the common thread is beyond, like, maybe the sonic palette that you use, but it's... Um, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of diversity while still being, you know, one one body of work. I'm, I'm influenced by... You know, I, I'm a musician, so I listen to all kinds of musical instrument music, but hip-hop musical music, I listen to all kinds, you know, from just... Dirty South to old school gangster, even some new stuff against my own will, but you know it influences <laughs> me, um, and it all comes out in my my beat making and my music. You know, I just put together the weird things that I want to hear. Also, I love video games, and that definitely comes out in my beats for sure, um, which I think is cool. It works with the name and who Skeptic is as a human, um, him being the the lead male protagonist voice wise on our albums. <laughs> <laughs> it works out but uh yeah cool well um let's uh let's wrap up with uh ogar here um just about done but um people have uh been really feeling your your solo stuff live i feel like uh even people that have seen us before come up to me going god damn like he's really getting good he's killing it um what is your plan for those who don't know, kind of what's coming from from you. Well, like so far, still the only thing I've really released is m- m- me and Sam's solo album, Break the Bank. But um, and that actually that's exactly two years old as of yesterday. Right. So it's only been a little more than two years that I've been recording and performing at any level. Yeah. So really. Well, and, and the tours are great. Like, this this for me really helps a lot because I'm kind of using my solo set as a way to gauge what I want to do, especially with solo stuff. So to I, see know, what songs work right, and what and don't. I've gone through, you know, I try to put different vibes within the set, but I've also, you know, I've I've come up with songs, put them in the set, scrapped them, decide that's not what I want to do. Other songs go in there, and I decide that really is what I want to do. So that's... It's really, I think, and especially this tour, going home after three weeks of playing those songs, kind of notes in my head when I sit down to write the next thing, you know, taking all that into account and where I want to go and what gets good reactions and all of that. And that being said, the next thing on the table is me and Sam again with our second duo yeah. album. And we, we talked a little bit about, um, you know, Break the Bank, because um, uh, we're... We, running through the the second batch of those and and um you kind of like shrugged it off like oh i don't know about that record you know because that was like your very first thing and we were just fucking around for fun didn't really know that it was going to turn into three tours and a whole oh i definitely didn't know that (laughs) yeah yeah um and i mean because at the time we were writing it like the illusionists were doing our biggest work at you know at that moment right it was it was a definite side project for sure started. yeah yeah and uh you know it's it's still kind of taken a back seat because we haven't toured as a duo you know it's always been like we sprinkle a little bit here and there 
right. as I'm supporting my solo albums. But yeah, behind the scenes, we've really been working hard on this second one, um, and I'm I'm really stoked for it. Yeah, me too. It's it's kind of the next piece of evolution, especially considering you know the first one. Like, <laughs> if I would have thought we would be touring on that, you know, you know, with that as my only release, you wouldn't have got that album out of me quite as fast. I bet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I'm sure we both would have done things differently knowing that like oh we're actually going to do a second batch of these and we're going to you know yeah or be, we're in... be playing these songs for two years yeah a lot. <laughs> yeah a lot yeah a lot uh, yeah well we've even been doing like one song from that and then like one or two or three from the, the stuff that hasn't come out yet yeah yeah that's definitely intentional but um yeah anything else you want to say about that i mean it's probably I would guess six months out at this point, you know. I would like to have it in hand maybe first quarter, something that's, like that. That's a realistic... Springtime? Yeah, I think that's realistic. Um, but yeah, we've got... Um, I mean, do you want to talk about who we got on it or wait? Well, now you can't just say that and then not talk about it at all, right? Sure, yeah. I mean, um, but yeah, we've got Graves 33 produced most of it. Um, we've also got beats from Odar. I did one or two, depending on how many we keep. We had one from Henri. I think I used that for something else. Um, who else we got on this one? Durazo. Oh, yeah, Durazo did a great... Yeah, that was a cool song. Um, and possibly going to have something from Webb that he's still working on. but Still in the works. Yep, and we got a couple really cool features. Really cool ones. Yeah. Yeah, if, if uh, Danny G lets me get a crack at those ones I heard in the van, might get a Danny G track on there, too. I feel left shut up skeptic okay that's my go to uh, uh, punctuation for any conversation is shut up skeptic it's how he says he loves me that's not true actually because I'm only saying that because we're on the air but when, when we're just by ourselves I say shut up Chad he doesn't like me saying his real name you son of a bitch <laughs> uh, yeah. now, now that I have the microphone for a second though I just want to say uh I got Break the Bank when I first met you guys last November in at Lucky's for mm. the uh, three-year anniversary. Um, every time I come to Eugene, I always hit up KI and play there. And uh, Yeah, shout-out to the Architects doing that Wednesday weekly at Lucky's. Unless KI doesn't come tonight, then shout-out Revoked. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> he knows I love shout him. Shout-in. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, uh, watching you guys perform together that night, obviously, was great. And we talked. We traded CDs and stuff. And that was, like, the true genesis of all that was that quick meeting, the only time we'd ever been in the same room before this. And uh, I had heard your solo material, obviously. I had heard your guys' shared material. But I hadn't heard any solo material from you. And I fucking loved everything that I heard on this tour. He's looking was, at Ogar Burl, just for I the am, record. Right in the eyes. Right, right in those beautiful brown eyes. Hiding behind those glasses. There's a lot of uh, long gazes in the van. No, I'm just kidding. How did you spell gazes? Huh? How did you spell gazes? Was there a Y? In there? there was a Y. There was a Y yeah, in there. When okay. it comes to this, yeah. Fair enough. But no, I just wanted to say that that uh, I that's always one of my favorite parts of tour is watching everybody like start off and uh, just get better like every show. Like obviously, all of us are. Uh, experienced and it's not like we needed to like get into the groove to be able to perform but after like 14 shows in a row like obviously yeah. we're we're all just well-oiled machines at that point you know yeah that's a great thing and and watching people that you 
genuinely want to listen to every night is super fun you know we'll change our sets slightly just kind of for ourselves and for each other and whatever but yeah after those first like three or four days i feel like everyone just knows how to kill it you know and they know how to read the room to do it right you know for that situation and uh yeah there's definitely a a momentum and uh, yeah i feel like we're in full swing and tonight's gonna be really fun tonight's gonna be great yeah yeah so this will come out well after the uh the finale show but um yeah hopefully uh hopefully we'll get a lot of friends out there and and gray school coming through will be a good turnout i think definitely a good bill lisa vasquez durazo gray school and and this whole tour here and a short appearance from uh uh divide the poet from uh gray school's tour that they're on so yeah it's just gonna be a, a packed packed lineup super fun way to end the tour um i know it's kind of our home turf these guys have got to drive back but we kind of started in yours and ended in ours so um yeah i think it's an appropriate way to close out for sure and it pretty much lined up with my 30th birthday so being a round number i can guilt people into coming to the show you're old um, but uh last couple shout outs i wanted to say um to john and candy holty they took really good care of us up in washington um adder took great care of us uh in uh la and um I just want to shout out Cornbread, the owner of Whiskey Dick Studio, yeah. where Danny works. He let us crash over there for a good four or five nights, uh, which he did, really didn't have to do. And Yeah, and all the Bay Area great. shows, we drove back to that same place. And uh, your cousin Brad. Yep, Brad was great. In Petaluma. Yeah, Kelly in Denver. My, Absolutely. My great friend Kelly. She force-fed awesome. you pizza. She did. <laughs> what a great friend. Yeah, I, I broke my, uh, my no-pizza diet because I was... And I had already brushed my teeth and everything. I was, like, asleep and woke up again, and there's just, like, pizza in my face. We went for 3 a.m. pizza, and you woke up to 4 a.m. pizza. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so, um, yeah, thank, just thank you to everybody who made this tour really, really enjoyable for all of us. Made it, uh, made it comfortable, made us feel good after um, a bad set or a good set, you know, whatever it was. We appreciate it. Big, big thanks to you, Sam. This is pretty much the reason most of the stuff went so swimmingly is because of uh, you just, people like you and your beautiful shaped head. <laughs> Thank you. Well, we all had really particular, valuable roles on this tour. You know, as we mentioned, Doug is the finisher of all foods and drinks and the carrier of all things. The merch. No, but... Uh, he, he's also the identifier of perfect alleys. <laughs> No, Doug's just good to have around for morale, if anything else, man. I the, agree. the carefree dude. And uh and Danny's running the sound every night, whether it's, you know, setting up uh, and tearing down or physically running the boards. Um Skeptic booked the whole tour for the most part, was managing the show, you know, always had the uh uh you know, he knew what time we had to be there, he knew the address off the top of his head, you know. Um settling up at the end of the night you know both of those things are things i have to do usually so it was really really nice i know i've said this to you guys both but just to put on the record it was great to have kind of a team effort this time and you know i could just drive set up the merch and play you know that was that was really good i think all of us probably um had a much better time sharing the uh responsibility that way load <laughs> jesus yeah 
All right. Well, we're going to wrap it up on that. So thank you guys for tuning in to the Take 92 podcast, Vacant Eyes edition. And uh, again, thank you to everybody who uh, took good care of us on the road. And we'll see you next time. In the beginning. Yeah, in the beginning. She was all fun and games. Miss that. Success is a double-edged sword to most Then stab me with it, slit my throat, I try both I've given my life to these songs that I write It's bankrupted me, can't provide for my wife So what do I do, just give up like the rest did? Invest in a desk job like the next kid? Fuck that, never again, fat chance I'm out of options, but I've already done that dance I'm fucking desperate, tired, and I'm sick in the head Can't imagine doing this forever if it doesn't get better I'm grateful for all that I got, I really am it's what keeps me going, doing all that I can But what the fuck does it take to make a living from this? I lie in bed every night, gritting my teeth with a clenched fist Agonizing over details and possibilities To the point that I'll probably end up in a facility It's killing me, I don't know what to do about it This industry doesn't care, and too many people doubt it Plus the labels are dead, even indies wouldn't touch me I'm too weird or too loud or so fucking disgusting to people Like I'm a leper or something, what the fuck? Too aggressive, too offensive, or just too much punk? Fed up with this competitive, sedative ass I'd rather be medicated Watching Malcolm in the middle Than be part of the circus But that isn't my only choice There's artists I look up to That still have a voice I know Louis C.K. didn't break out till his 30s I've seen plenty of examples of people Who kept working at their craft Till the pinnacle moment when they're released From the mundane day job They're finally free And many more get knocked down Swept off the floor Fade to black Liquidate their equipment For a fourth of the price But I don't want that life Where I survive a 9 to 5 Just to play an open mind Exhausted my efforts Resources tapped Till the last bastion of dedicated fans Lose interest to give up Now I'm left alone Only a guitar and lonely microphone Singing cover songs for drunks that don't even care They didn't come for music Only wanted a beer I'm sincerely at a loss Not just looking for sympathy This is everything to me This isn't the fucking kid in me You kidding me? I put everything on the line The end is inevitable I'm running out of time I don't do this for my health I'm just too fucked up to kill myself I don't do this shit for my health I'm just too fucked up to kill I don't do this for my health I'm just too fucked up to kill myself I don't do this shit for my health I'm just too fucked up to kill